0: What's going on, Wolf Pack? This is the Wolf of Roto-Street with another episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles. Just like last week, we're ripping some audio from a live broadcast I did on Facebook. Uh, The Monday Market Check is a fantastic new live show we got going on, and I want to make sure you podcasters don't miss it. If you want to tune in live, it's even better. We got a menu and pictures and live interaction. You're going to hear some of that live here tonight, where I interact with people live that are asking questions. a couple. Technical issues that pop up, so just ignore those parts. I apologize in advance for them. We're still figuring all that stuff out here at the Fantasy Fullback Dive. Uh, but otherwise, we're still going to be getting back to the Fantasy Wolves segments. Got some great returning guests lined up in terms of Scott Barrett and some new ones from NFL.com. And Mike Wright's going to hopefully join us from the Fantasy Footballers again. So you want to keep paved here. We're also got some positional roundtables. I'll give you my rankings at each position and we'll bring in their favorite experts, the CJs, the Keigs, the Jim and ask them all the burning questions to go with those positions. So we got tons of great stuff. I know we took a little hiatus there after Adam Schefter getting our guide done, the offseason Bible, which is live rotostreetjournal.com slash offseason if you haven't seen it yet fantastic stuff we're getting our second offseason guide ready for you the draft day playbook so tons of fantastic stuff if you haven't got a daily draft wizard done for yourself yet what are you doing come on and DM me at Wolf. I'll get you your draft wizard done so you're fully prepared to win that 2019 title but here's the preseason market check of week one all the risers fallers and sleepers and especially sleepers tons of them emerging this week tons of valuable nuggets plus we covered Duke Johnson's trade Antonio Brown's disappearance what the hell's up with Jarek McKinnon these days this one's as low as it gets over 20 players are covered in this episode you can't miss it hope you enjoy let me know your feedback and thoughts the wolf is here for you baby three tight ends including Haydner Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the it ball. Down. Final try. in for the touchdown. What a second. So like so all no got- righty, we are live ladies and gentlemen with the Monday market check where we tell you all the risers, fallers, and penny stocks, emerging sleepers from the week of action. We're going to start this now in the preseason because preseason does matter. Anyone that tells you otherwise is wrong. You could learn so much about you know players, trends, their usage. Are they going to move to different areas of the field? How is a new free agent fitting in? How's a new coach's scheme looking? Which is going to be a part of our broadcast tonight. A lot of new coaches and their offenses seem to really be panning out. Uh, so tons of stuff in the preseason does matter. Anyone who tells you otherwise is just lazy and you're going to get a huge edge if you pay attention to this good stuff. And um, we're going to go through a ton of breaking news here today as well. Last week, Duke Johnson was traded. Antonio Brown went radio silent on his team. And Jarek McKinnon had his knee flare up. So we're going to start with that breaking news. Then we'll go into the risers, the fallers, and all the penny stocks. Uh, and if you're tuning in on the audio on our podcast, ffbdpod.com, uh, you want to try to tune in live as well, where you can get your mailbag questions in on Facebook. You can come on in, get your questions in. I'll answer throughout the show. There's a lot more interaction and whatnot if you tune in live. But if not, if you're listening to it on Tuesday morning in your drive, I hope you enjoy it on the podcast as well. And just one last reminder, I'm the Wolf of Roto Street. You can find me at rotostreetwolf.com. Anthony, thanks for tuning in as always. Love having you for every show. You're a true wolf. I see Jimmy and Ryan tuning in too. So thanks guys for coming in. Let's start with the top of this broadcast, Duke Johnson's trade. The Texans finally have a decent running back here. I love Duke Johnson. They acquired him for a fourth round pick that could become a third rounder. And one interesting point about that is Bill O'Brien's acting as the general manager right now. He wouldn't just burn a potential third rounder in a guy that he wouldn't use. So immediately, right from the top, you know this draft capital suggests more than just a potential cautionary role. They were clearly envisioning for something for Duke Johnson. I don't Like how the Texans have been very reluctant to use their running backs in the past game. Bill O'Brien spent like 28th, 30th, one year where he had over 100 targets and ranked 11th in running back targets, but otherwise, it's been nothing above 26th in running back targets. So immediately you're like, ah, that sucks for Duke Johnson. But he's never had a receiving weapon like Duke Johnson out of the backfield. 90.9 grade from Pro Football Focus, the fifth highest of any running back since 2015 when he came into the league. A better stat that I really love, <laughs> insane here. I know Dak wants 40 million. And that's probably the most insane stat I've ever heard. But another great stat for Duke Johnson is. of his catches went for either first downs or touchdowns since 2015. That's the fourth highest rate in the NFL, right there. Tons of other great starts about how he breaks contact after the catch and all this good stuff. All that meaning to say, this is a great pass catching weapon and a fantastic offense that just lost Kiki Cutie. We're going to preview that in a little bit. So ultimately, there's definitely room for targets. I know the the reception history has been sketchy for his running backs, but when you get a weapon like this and he pays the draft capital to get a guy like Duke. Johnson, my guess is he's going to use him and he's going to use him heavily. So I think this move is crucial. He rises right up into my top 100. He was an afterthought on draft day. Lamar Miller takes a humongous hit. Just last market check, we were sitting here raving about Lamar Miller, a true three-down horse in the league's One of the most explosive attacks in the league right now, but that's not going to be the case. We know Duke Johnson's going to at least take the third downs, and there is the upside. I think Duke's a better running back than uh, Lamar Miller, so there's definitely a chance that he could steal this. This gig outright. He's been a workhorse back in his college days. He's the all-time leading rusher at Miami, where we obviously have Edgar and James and Clinton Portis and Willis McGee, so many decorated running backs. Duke Johnson outrushed all of them during his career there. So this guy has a workhorse past. There's definitely a chance he takes this gig. So we got a drop, of course. Lamar Miller takes a hit. Duke Johnson himself skyrockets and then we also have to consider guys like Deshaun Watson. When I gave that stat, 44% of Duke Johnson's catches go for first downs or touchdowns. That's huge for Deshaun Watson. More sustained drives. How many times did you see this guy scrambling behind his porous line with no one to throw to? Duke will be that safety valve. He makes a lot of people miss after the couch catch. He's going to get a lot of receptions uh, that go for first down, sustain the drives. That's huge for Deshaun Watson. A big stock-up arrow for him as well. And then you look at the Browns, the afterthought there. Does Landry get a few more targets does Nick Chubb now the unquestioned workhorse for those first uh, you know not eight weeks until Cream Hunt comes. That's humongous value for uh, for Duke. Uh, sorry, Nick Chubb there as well being that unquestioned workhorse. You got Dontrell Hilliard. He might take some receptions, some third downs, but ultimately I think that's the Nick Chubb show. He's going to be potentially the top scoring running back in that offense, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. That explosive attack. Unquestioned workhorse duties is humongous for Nick Chubb. Uh, but of course, you gotta also keep in mind Cream Hunt coming in. Big stock up for Cream Hunt as well unquestioned third down roll when he comes back in in week nine, but that's the one wart with Nick Chubb. But he came, he definitely moved up my big board right outside the fringe of the first round uh, and into that tier, more so with the Mixons and the Girlies rather than the Marlon Max and the Derrick Henrys. So big news for Browns, big news for the Texans, a lot of impact. A guy like Duke Johnson uh, causing fantasy shockwaves last week. Wanted to make sure of that. So if you have any questions specifically about Duke Johnson, would I draft him over who and whatnot? Let me know, I'm happy to cover that. We're gonna move on now, though, to Antonio Brown. What an absolute nutbag! First, last week, we covered the feet, the frigging chiro The guy doesn't wear the right footwear into his treatment, gets blisters, gets frostbite, and he can't practice for that. Now it comes out that he's suing the NFL because he can't wear his helmet. Is this guy a child? Is he throwing a temper tantrum like a six-year-old? What the fuck are you, Antonio Brown? That hair in your picture, too? Some creature demon from hell, Antonio Brown. But good God, do you want any piece of this guy in fantasy right now? I get the upside. He could lead the league in target when there's really no one else around him. But still, there's so many antics. He clearly, there's a lot more other than football in this guy's mind. And now helmets are becoming an issue. He's saying he's going to sit out. Now, granted, right before I went on this broadcast, Antonio Brown did post that he's done with his grievance. He's probably not going to appeal. He's just trying to do what's best for his teammates. uh, And he's probably going to report once healthy. So a little bit less risk. We know he's at least going to show up once his feet get together. But just another sign that this guy is not right. That he's not somebody that you really want on your fan. Fantasy team. Uh, so you gotta make sure you keep your eyes out on Antonio Brown and where he goes, you know, around Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton now, I gotta take the take the pass on Antonio Brown. Get a guy I at least know is gonna be on the field with his head on straight, which you can't say for him. No matter how astronomical the upside is, and I'd still take him, you know, round three at the end of it, you know, around then, there's just still, it's Antonio Brown, one of the best to ever play the game, but we've never seen him so unfocused. He made his money early on, on being that guy that outworked everyone, studied the playbook, just knew everything as a six rounder coming in. He's become just the biggest diva in the NFL. And truly, I just don't think I want a part of it. So Antonio Brown, just sketchy, not somebody that I'm really looking for at this point. <laughs> Dak is worth 40 without Zeke. We got a little d- debate going on here. Does he make Deshaun Watson better? I hope I answered that one, Anthony. Those sustained drives, the fourth downs, especially when Dak's under pressure with that porous offensive line. I believe so. Dak isn't worth the 30 million they offered him, according to Anthony. And yeah, I agree. It'd be all about that spotlight. It's just, it's a mess, Anthony. I, I don't get what the hell's wrong with this guy. But in terms of fantasy, I'm looking elsewhere at this point. Let's move on to the last bit of news today, and then we'll get into your risers, fallers, penny stocks, all that great stuff that we have planned. Uh, Because there's a ton of them. I I mean, it's only week one of the preseason, but there were some very interesting notes we're going to have to cover. But first, Jarek McKinnon, his knee flares up after only two days of practice. This guy was looking like the next bright NFL star, the next Devonta Freeman For Kyle Shanahan, the guy that he went and made the fourth highest paid running back just last year to be his next workhorse, his next mammoth behind the zone blocking scheme of Kyle Shanahan. And yet the guy cannot stay on the field. A workout freak that just can't seem to stay healthy, unfortunately. It's sad real life-wise, but fantasy owners can at least breathe that kind of sigh of relief that a three-headed nightmare where who knows who's getting what carries every week, if it's not real value that you can actually depend on, has now become a two-headed situation and that's actually very viable when this offense ranked third in rushing yards from their running backs last year the Kyle Shanahan zone blocking scheme has made monsters out of nobodies like Steve Slayton, Olandis Gary and you know made mammoths out of guys like Arian Foster so we got Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida with a lot clearer paths now to playing time Tevin Coleman the favorite to start he's got experience in Shanahan's system over in Atlanta he's already said that he's being moved all over the place by Shanahan he's the favorite for goal line work Kyle you check has raved about how uh, Kevin Coleman just gets the job done plows through the defenders something they lacked last year that they were the lowest red zone scoring team in the league and lowest in red zone touch- touchdowns especially rushing touchdowns too uh, so ultimately Kevin Coleman probably going to inherit that short yardage role where they struggled so heavily last year definitely the guy you want to look at first and becomes a major value going right now around that 6-7 turn if that stays put he's going to be a guy that could win potential leagues they're saying Jarek McKinnon could start, on, start in the IR. They can't put him back on the PUP. That would cost him at least eight weeks of the season if he's not ready and they don't want to burn a roster spot for those early weeks waiting for him. And then Matt Breida becomes the clear cut change of pace back, a guy that led the league in rushing through three and four weeks last year, really thrived in the system, but then couldn't stay healthy, couldn't really hold up to that true workhorse uh, style load. But as a change of pace where he's only getting, you know, nine to 10 touches every week, that could potentially yield some huge fantasy value uh, for, for Matt Breida. Again, coming off a great season until he got hurt and then he was dinged up and seemed to like die on the field every other week. But ultimately, I really like this move for Matt Breida. I like the move for Tevin Coleman with a lot clearer fantasy uh, opportunity there with our guy, uh, Jarek McKinnon removed there. I got, it looks like we've got a little broadcast, so just stick with me. You guys know how this goes. It'll freeze up for about 10 seconds, and then we'll be right back with you. Uh, now we're going to move on. If there's any questions about any of that breaking news, let me know. Happy to touch upon any of the Duke Johnson trade, the Antonio Brown, and the Jarek McKinnon news, um, but now we're going to move on now to are risers and fallers. I don't know if this guy freezes for you guys too. If you can still hear my audio. Jordan, thanks for tuning in as always. Just let me know. Are you guys hearing the audio even if my image is frozen on the screen at the moment? Uh, it'd be great to know, so that way I don't cancel this and start it all over again. Uh, but ultimately, we're going to now move on to the rises and fallers. Jordan commenting, just like with Green, McKinnon is useless almost for the year. These injuries won't go away, I don't think. It's, it could definitely be those lingering situations, which really suck. Does the hamstring, is he overcompensating, all that stuff. So I agree with you, Jordan. This could be a major issue uh, throughout the entire year. So keep that in mind. It's something that you can't ignore at this point as a fantasy owner. All right, we're going to move on, though, to now uh, David Montgomery. Ah, oh, that didn't make the slideshow. We're going to have to <laughs> skip over the, the slideshow there for him. Jordan, can you, can you, yep, working good. Okay, so at least it's working for you guys. It's frozen on my end, but if everything's moving, is it showing, you know, Austin Eckley, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we're going to move on now to David Montgomery on the top of the menu there, as you can see. Montgomery. Showed everything you wanted to see from this guy. 41 of the 49 total yards in the drive that he began and started. Uh, it came in the run game. It came in the pass game. This guy was an absolute monster through that first drive. Again, amassing over 80% of the yardage for the Bears in that drive, which was incredible. It came on a 7-yard TD run. Of course, he caps it off. He showed that trademark contact balance. He broke through tackles, uh, breaks through the line, just does a nice jump cup, gets to the end zone, and every Everybody's raving at Matt Nagy runs over to him and says, hey, you know what? (laughs) You're going to get a lot of these this year. This is not anything new for you. So, he raves about that. He looks great in the past game. 23-yard screen he rips off. Uh, That's just exactly what you wanted to see. Matt Nagy's always craved a three-down workhorse, a guy that can get it done in all facets and then disguise the offense. And Montgomery showed in his first preseason action, that's exactly what he's going to be. So, huge game for David Montgomery. uh, Huge value boost. He jumps all the way up to number 28 on my big board, uh, right above Josh Jacobs at this point, right around that Derrick Henry, Chris Carson tier. He's looking like the rookie at a top 10 offense behind a top 10 line that could really make that enormous breakout and be a day one elite running back. Uh, so he's a guy right around that round two, three turn has immediately entered my target list. So if you have any questions about Montgomery, please let me know. I'm happy to answer anything about this guy. Uh, Jordan pointing out I want Montgomery, I'm doing a dynasty startup, give it to me baby. He's the guy I would take number one overall in a dynasty startup, uh, any of those type of formats. It's going to be David Montgomery who I take first, Uh, absolutely no brainer in my opinion. Ah, Quick water down there for me before we now get into our second note of risers and that is The Chargers running backs, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, looking fantastic in their preseason debuts with Melvin Gordon removed and still holding out. They definitely did not give the Chargers any reason to be worried or try to change the system over there, looking fantastic uh, in the fill-in duty. Austin Eckler getting the lead horse duties there, 12 of the 16 snaps he was in with the first-team offense and Tyrod Taylor, and was very efficient and highly used in those snaps, eight touches in those 12 snaps, three of them being receptions, racking up 69 total yards, that's 8.6 yards per touch, showing off his trademark elusiveness, burst up the hole, uses as a Receiver was fantastic. There was the one concern. He did fumble it on the goal line, and then they went to Justin Jackson in the next drive, who powered through for a beastly, bullying touchdown run. Just stiff-armed a guy, threw him to the side, uh, and just made it just a complete joke of the defender. He He was also very efficient, over four yards, five yards a carry, with four attempts, 22 yards in that score. Both of those guys looking fantastic. Both of them drawing rave reviews afterwards from their coaches, from their teammates, everybody raving about those guys. Uh, so those guys both looked fantastic and fill in duty for uh, for Melvin Gordon, and at this point. If he's not showing up and now the team has no incentive to try to force him in and and really meet him where he's asking, you can start to consider these guys a little bit higher in fantasy. I would say Austin Eckler right around round six or seven. And by obviously the end of the preseason, if Melvin Gordon's still not there, you're looking at rounds four or so for this guy. And then Justin Jackson going in round 12, being beyond right now, he could be this year's James Conner too. So both of these guys have to be much heavier on your fantasy radar after dominating in preseason action. Now we're going to move on to Baker and the Browns ah, right here. And you see Baker Mayfield himself, 5-for-5, five five, 77 yards and a TD. The offense as a whole racks up 89 yards in two minutes. They march down the field. I love what Freddie Kitchens did there to try to get a little bit of two-minute work and get some value for his offense. They march right down the field, look like an unstoppable beast. And this was without... Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the field, Uh, so ultimately just huge news for the Browns. Everything's clicking. There were some reports that you know Munkin and and Kitchens were kind of clashing a little bit and not uh, on the same page or anything of that nature. But this kind of it has to ease your concern. They, they go right down the field, they look unstoppable, and that's without two of their top playmakers. You got to think this is going to become a norm. This team's going to average 40 points a game type of monster, similar to the Chiefs last year. Their defense definitely made some improvements, but still could be shootout central when you're talking about Browns' games. So I love Baker Mayfield. I already loved him. He'd be all the way up to my number two quarterback behind only Pat Mahomes. Nobody's going to average up Mahomes in my quarterback rankings, at least not this season. Uh, but. Ultimately, Baker is going to be as close as it can get. And then uh, beyond him, you got to just love Odell. You got to love Nick Chubb in an offense that's going to move, move, move and sustain drives. Uh, you got to love all these guys. So, fantastic news for every one of them. Um, And you just got to love what the Browns could do on offense this year. You got to target them heavily. Uh, And with Duke Johnson removed, that means more Jarvis Landry over the middle of the field. These guys are just all appetizing. Even David Njoku, the guy I hate beyond belief, could have some significant value with this offense this year, uh, so those are the Browns offense. <laughs> it off emoji says Jordan. I love the commentary. I'm pleased. My my screen's still frozen on my end, so just double check with me and make sure it's moving. The pictures are moving. Can you just confirm all that, Jordan? It's not just my frozen weird face on your screen. I appreciate the interactions and everything. Any questions? As always, guys, keep them coming in. Um, but that's the Browns offense, and that's not the only offense that looked elite. On This last weekend Uh, we have as we're moving on now the Bucks lighting up the field Chris Godwin in the Bucks is the next menu note as you see and Winston going five for six for 40 yards in a TD leading a 12 played 81 yard TD drive in his only action under Bruce Arians. Uh, That's exactly what you want to see is this offense just click right from the start. James Winston looks smart made nice decisions, didn't force the ball where it didn't have to go, found his open receivers throughout the night, overthrew Perriman on one one launch, but other than that, he took his shots, he connected on all the layers of the field, looked very, very comfortable. It seems like this marriage that we were expecting to go really well is right off on course. They're on a great honeymoon, and they're flying. And something I love to see, too, was even after Winston was out, this offense continued to dominate. 420 pass yards as a whole, tearing up right where they left off last year as the team with the most air yards in the league uh, averaging over like 360 pass yards a game they go with 420 with Ryan Griffin throwing for like 330 or whatever it was yardage so you love to see that the offense as a whole was just thriving throughout the game especially the air attack and you gotta love Godwin 20 yards and a TD in his first drive. We knew he was a red zone beast, one of the only receivers to have like 11 red zone targets last year. Picks up where he left off, goes right in for a score, on a breaks some tackles on a nice screen. So you love the usage from Godwin, especially in the red zone. Uh, and you love that he was in on every single play, whether it was two receivers or he kicked back in on, on four snaps in the slot. During three wide receiver sets, this guy's going to be a monster. So his fourth round ADP at first, I was a little hesitant. I didn't want to touch him there. It's too much hype. Twitter's loving this guy too much. He's the come player of the year. But now, after seeing this and seeing, again, that all those words from Bruce Arians are confirmed, this guy is going to be an every down player and potentially thrive with that role. I got to love this offense. Uh, So big fan of that. Everything moving, pictures and all. Good. Glad to hear that. Happy to see it. Thanks, CJ. It's frozen on my screen, so I'm glad to hear that it's working on your guys. Uh, So I'll just keep rifling through. Keep the questions coming because those are working well, too. My next guy, and you guys already know I better get the lotion out as you see this, Mr. Kyler Murray. My favorite quarterback in the league for fantasy this year. My 2019 Mahomes gave me no reason to believe anything other than he's gonna dominate at this level. Goes six for seven, and it truly was six for six. His receiver stepped out of the bounds. He hit the receiver, so truly in my eyes, seven for seven. Only 44 yards, but it's not the stats that stood out. It was that this guy was poised. He was accurate, and he just looked like he belonged. You know, when you see that it factor right off the bat, you just could tell that quick release. It was just different. The ball was right where the receivers needed to. Even on the screen to David Johnson he just put like the perfect level of touch hit him in stride so Johnson could zip up and, and not really have to stop his movement you just tell this guy can make every single throw. You saw him move around the pocket, avoid some tackles. He started to scramble on one play, and you saw that trademark speed. I saw everything I needed to know. I was a little nervous at first. You haven't seen him on an NFL field. Is the moment going to be too big or the light's going to be too bright? But no. Kyler Murray was everything we expected and more. Uh, so I was thrilled to see that. Thrilled to see him just as poised and calm and collected as anything. Looked like he belonged. So now I feel much better about my high ranking above Drew Brees right alongside Matt Ryan in the same tier. Uh, Now I feel better about this. I've I've already said this guy's going to be the 2019 Mahomes because he's got the system, the air raid, that could just take this league by storm. He's got the mobility. He's got the arm. He's got the weapons now. And the receivers were just open at will. And it looked like this thing is going to be so deadly and we haven't even seen it at its fullest pace. That was like a nice, slow, methodical vanilla-style air raid offense. Imagine when they put their gas to the the pedal to the metal and just really fly down the field at a breakneck pace and we're looking at you know 60 pass attempts a week and that defense still sucks we saw that too and it's gonna to be shootout central for the Arizona Cardinals I am thrilled about Kyler Murray and his progress I think he's gonna be an absolute monster at the NFL level and last but not least this one's a lesser note he wouldn't play too much but But Latavius Murray, someone I've been raving about, saying he's one of the best bargains in all of fantasy football this year, goes out there and just looks perfectly at home. It's what I wanted to see. One is keeping that kind of Ingram-style role. He alternated with Alvin Kamara. It was about a uh, 55-45 split there between the two. Gets six touches, three of them being receptions, showing off that this guy can catch. He always has been able to, but hasn't really been used in that role, but showed some nice soft hands, totals 36 yards, six yards per touch, and just seems. Like a perfect fit for that Ingram-style role, uh, showing off those receiving skills is what we really wanted to see there, and that's not not nothing to take lightly. This Mark Ingram role has been a fantasy money maker over these last couple of years. Just a few seasons ago. Uh, Mark Ingram was the RB5, whereas Kamara was the RB3. This could be a similar situation where Latavius Murray racks up those goal line touches, gets plenty of change of pace touches, and goes right up to you know a top 20 running back. He's being drafted outside the top 30 right now, falling to around 7, 8, 9. This is the ideal flex with benefits style, because if anything did ever happen to Alvin Kamara, my good God, Latavius Murray would explode. So that's a guy that you need to keep on your radar. Uh, that's a guy that's been thriving in camp and then goes out and shows in preseason action. That's exactly what we wanted to see. We're going to now transition to our followers, but I just want to double check and make sure we don't have any questions for people tuning in here. Uh, Todd Norton and Richie Zenos, thanks for coming in. I appreciate that. I woke up at 4 a.m. and seen your video of Murray and dreamed of him for the next two hours. Pretty sure the boxers were wet. Jordan, I imagine they were completely drenched as they deserved to be. Kylo Murray in an absolute force. <laughs> Love the comments, dude. This is fantastic. Uh, I wonder if you're taking just a monster dump as you usually do when you tune into these things and include your beautiful insight as always. Uh, but let's move on to the fallers here. As you see, Damian Williams at the top of this list. And the biggest reason why, he's headed for a committee. Andy Reid coming out and saying, we haven't done this since my Philadelphia days. And it's true. This guy has loved workhorses. That's why I loved Williams coming into the season. Is Andy Reid has averaged over almost 20 touches per game, 19 and a half for his lead running back. And it's one of the most explosive offenses in the league with Pat Mahomes leading the charge. You're looking at 10 touchdowns in six games last year from Williams and just a bevy of receptions every week. That's what I was envisioning. But now Reid coming out and saying, I'm going back to those days where I used committees. Nobody's really stepped up because Damian Williams's hamstring kind of opened the door. And then Carlos Hyde looked good. And then we saw Darwin Thompson this week looking extremely explosive. That rookie we're going to talk about a little bit later. Fantastic uh, in his limited action. Daryl Williams apparently has looked great in camp too. So today they come back to practice and it's like, yeah, yeah, Damian Williams, first team rep, first guy in there. And everyone started to calm down a little bit. And then it goes Carlos Hyde's in round three. And then it goes Daryl Williams is in for the fifth snap. And then Darren Thompson worked in a little bit later in practice, and it's just now looking like a messy situation. So I'm a little bit more nervous on Damian Williams than I ever have been. He's gone from probably the biggest faller of this offseason so far, a fringe first rounder right around 13 and 14 in my earlier rankings. Then he goes to you know late second because of the hamstring concern. And now that this committee is in action, he's fallen all the way to like 40 or so, below David Montgomery, below Josh Jacobs, below Chris Carson, below Devonta Freeman, these guys that have surefire volume in round three within often great offenses, I'm not going to go side with the committee guy. Even if Damian Williams has the ceiling to blow out any of those guys, to blow out really anyone in fantasy, the guy averaged more points in fantasy as a starter than anyone not named Todd Gurley. So his ceiling is still astronomical. But ultimately, when these other guys have much more guaranteed volume and pretty similar ceilings, I can't pass on them for Damian Williams in this nightmare situation. I'd much rather take the cheaper guys. Let's go Carlos Hyde. Let's go Darwin Thompson and see how this all shakes out. I'm going to invest in those cheap pieces of this backfield and hope one of them ends up being a a clear-cut starter at some point. Because I I do think, you know, Reed, he's always operated with a one-horse system. Even if he wants a committee to start the year, I don't imagine it stays that way. So ultimately, Damian Williams takes a big hit until he can separate from the rest of this pack, if he can separate from the rest of this pack. Moving on then, next comes Dante Pettis. He comes into the game, they rest, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, they rest George Kittle, they rest all their starters, all their starting running backs, but Dante Pettis plays. And the reason why, Kyle Shanahan says, is because he, he wanted to see how competitive Dante Pettis is he wants him to compete and earn his starting role so first off the bat that's a red flag because he hasn't earned a starting role remember how great this guy was 18 and a half fantasy points over those last four weeks where he was starting he really seemed to catch fire there at the end of the year but that doesn't mean he's going to be handed the role right away as we've clearly seen and especially after he gets outshined by Debo Samuels and Jalen Hurd we're going to cover them in the sleepers a little bit later but two touchdowns for Hurd a team high 61 yards for Debo Samuels they get raving reviews from Kyle Shanahan, whereas Pettis gets kind of thrown under the best. He says he wanted to see him compete and he wasn't sure that he did. I, you can't like that. If he's not even a starter at this point, you got to readjust. you got to check that. He's a big follower on my wide receiver rankings, whereas Debo Samuels and Jalen Hurd have started to creep up that big board. It's a Kyle Shanahan attack, so there's going to be plenty of offense. They could be one of those top 12 or so scoring offenses if Jimmy G stays healthy. The backfield produces as they should but which wide receiver is going to end up leading the charge? It's really going to be tricky because it's tough for rookies to pick up. But then Dante Pettis has just been having a very lackluster camp. Our guy Grant Cohen has said that since OTAs. He hasn't shown anything that tells you he's going to step up and be their number one receiver that everybody expected him to be in fantasy. So ultimately, you got to readjust. You got to move Pettis down a few pegs, a few tiers. And now, whereas he was going with guys like D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief and some of those upside wide receiver four stashes, He's kind of right around that do not draft list until you get to, you know, Debo. He falls to about 115 or so on my big board, I would say. And last but not least... Mr. Kiki Cutie, Mr. I cannot stay on the field, uh, suffers a ankle injury. My good God! And they're already were saying that don't expect him back anytime soon. Sounds like something that could linger into the regular season. This guy has only played six games thus far in his NFL career. Is constantly dealing with something nagging. It's just another reminder of his fragility. He gets hurt right off the bat in early preseason, and it sucks. Cause this guy, damn, when he's healthy, he's as good as they get. He was getting rave reviews from Watson this offseason for always being where he was expected to be, knowing the offense, the ins and outs, and just so reliable, becoming that safety blanket underneath. And then he goes and gets hurt. They go and get Duke Johnson, who's going to compete for similar target share over the middle of the field. The intermediate range is where Cutie does a lot of his damage. So that ultimately becomes a much more congested area for targets, which then means it's a more congested area for Kiki Cutie and his uh, performance, if and when he actually gets back on the field anyways. He has to fall, just like Pettis, a significant steep fall for Kiki Cutie, who cannot stay on the field. Uh, it's a little bit of a stock up for Will Fuller, for DeAndre Hopkins, who saw their numbers slowly creep down, especially Fuller, uh, once Cutie was in the lineup. But without him, Fuller's always been a monster. He's going to continue to be that beast with Deshaun Watson. I think it's like six of his games have been top 10 wide receivers, six of 11 games with Watson, Will Fuller Fuller has had top 10 receiver numbers, and only two of them have been outside the top 20. This guy was a monster when he's on the field. So Cutie injury definitely gives Fuller a little bit more of appeal. Uh, who knows when he's going to come out, but Cutie has to fall down your big board. Uh, so any questions about Fallers, any of that stuff, let me know. Matt, what's going on? Welcome in. Jordan, I think, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Darwin Thompson, a guy to definitely tune into uh, and target in uh in dynasty leagues because even if he doesn't emerge as a workhorse we're going to talk about him in a little bit let's save him for a little bit we're going to get to sleepers in this next phase of the show so let's move on to our sleepers our penny stocks as we like to call them and you see here we lead off with tony pollard if you can read that quote there on the card You should hopefully get a little bit horny, a little bit wet in those boxers, as you said, Jordan Teet. Because Tony Pollard, in Zeke's absence, has gotten nothing but rave reviews. Of course, part of that's a negotiating tactic from Stephen Jones, from Jerry Owens, trying to get their guy in. But then you got guys like Dak Prescott and the linemen raving how Tony Pollard has made plays consistently in the receiving game, in the run game, and just thrived each and every practice. Which tells me... You got to have this guy on your penny stock radar, especially after Jerry Jones comes out and says, it's a little bit of question after he was the the change of pace back for Daryl Henderson at Memphis, would this guy actually end up carrying the load and being the featured back? Well, then Jerry Jones comes out and says, we've seen him do it. We know he's capable. If he really needs to be, he's going to carry the whole load. And that's a huge note because you never know with this team if it's going to be an Alfred Morris situation, that kind of it's a back-and-forth committee. But if he's going to come out and get endorsed as the every-down back after he's made plays, then that's huge news. And then you go and see preseason action. And yeah, 4-16, four, 4 yards a pop, not bad, solid stats. But what I really like to see, what I cling to here, is the fact that Tony Pollard wasn't pulled for, uh wasn't, on the field beyond the first drive with the Stars. He's the only running back to play with Dak and he only played one drive. That tells me they have some huge plans whether it's at Zeke Insurance if Zeke doesn't show up or even if Zeke does they're still probably going to be using Tony Pollard. They were saying how well he's shown in the receiving game that's a decent spot for them to reduce some of Zeke's touches if he even shows up. But if not you're looking at a potential three down horse behind a top five offensive line behind an offense that should positively regress especially with Kellen Moore a more creative coordinator coming into town that could mean great things for Tony Pollard to set up for low-end RB1 numbers that's falling right now well beyond round 10, really on no one's radar. But if you're drafting this week, this weekend, and Zeke's still not there, make sure you do everything you can to get Tony Pollard. Right up there with the Austin Ecklers and the the, um, Justin Jacksons in terms of this year's James Conner, it could definitely be Tony Pollard if it is Zeke holding out for a significant part of this season. Make sure you have him on that radar. Another guy... That you got to make sure is on your penny stock radar here. It's none other than Jamison Crowder. Roll your eyes. The injuries, I get it. He can't stay on the field. He can't be healthy. But the what ifs. What if he stays healthy? What if he plays a full 16? I think the upside's astronomical if that's the case. And we saw that rapport between Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder. You read the camp reports and everything's like, oh my good God. When anything breaks down, it goes to Jamison Crowder. When he's looking for an open receiver and scrambling, it's Jamison Crowder. The pair have been dynamite in terms of their chemistry and we saw that right off the bat. He's the team high of Donald Darnold's targets. Only two. It was only one drive, but he gets two targets, catches both of them, gets 31 yards, and most importantly, gets the touchdown. Show those quicks right off the line of scrimmage, catches it an out, and then zips up the field for the score. Fantastic to see from Jamison Crowder. They're raving that the chemistry is so strong, in fact, that 100 plus catches, or even more, is a realistic possibility, according to the Athletics' Connor Hughes. That's insane. I mean, I don't expect 100 catches, especially if he doesn't stay healthy, but 70 to 80, especially with full health, is well within the realm of possibilities. And a reason why I truly believe that is look at Jarvis Landry's production under Adam Gase in Miami. Tons of yak opportunities, yards after the catch, just drilled, 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 114 leading the NFL in targets that season. Uh, 114 catches and then 170 targets both NFL highs that year. Jamison Crowder isn't quite Jarvis Landry, but similar very quick off the line, very dependable hands, very quarterback friendly, reads zones, beats man, kind of can beat any coverage and clearly Darnold understands that and was targeting him and looking to him in preseason and apparently all of training camp. You gotta pay attention to these reports. Jamison Crowder, a guy that has to be on your late round Penny Stock Radar. Another one who I absolutely loved what I saw out of the preseason game and someone that wasn't really on my radar, Devin Singletary. On paper, the Bills' backfield is a nightmare. Frank Gore, LeSean McCoy, maybe TJ Yeldon, a three-to-four headed nightmare brewing there. But Devin Singletary, if one guy is going to emerge and really have some fantasy value, it's going to be this guy. And he's the one I'm now targeting out of this backfield. Not as an immediate day one starter, but a stash and see what happens. He looks fantastic in his preseason debut. Gets 12 touches, racks up a ton of touches in the the third drive, the first scoring drive of the Bills this offseason. Gets three receptions, toss in there, 48 yards. Four yards a touch, nothing crazy, not light in the world on fire. But what I loved was on that scoring drive. He was the engine, just like we raved about with uh, David Montgomery. He was the offensive engine, Devin Singletary, racking up 37 of the Bills, 46 yards on that scoring drive, getting them into the red zone, converting three first downs on the drive. There was a point where he touched the ball seven out of eight times to lead off the drive, so just feeding him, feeding him, getting him established, seeing how he works. Uh, that's 70% of the total touches on that offensive drive. Man, he, he showed that he could be a true workhorse, true three-down back in that drive. Now, will he be? Probably not. At least not right from the start. But the team definitely saw what they wanted to. And that's that kind of creating yardage on his own, being slippery in the pass game, finding creases, showing great vision uh, when holes aren't developing. It, it, he just showed everything. That LaShawn McCoy-style jukes, all that good stuff. And apparently he's gotten ten, plenty of first-team reps throughout camp. He's quote-unquote made defenders good defenders look foolish on a daily basis in camp. Uh, And so to see that translate into the the preseason was exactly what we wanted. Uh, Devin Singletary has to be a big riser. Now inside my top 100 uh, after being kind of a draft day afterthought, now a guy that I'm starting to look at in my fantasy drafts. Uh, Coons, welcome back to the show. Bell should pull some defenders open up his area too. So that's that's the one debate, Matt. Right? Is is this going to be good for Crowder having Jamison? Uh, of having Bell there, or are those two going to compete for similar target shares? Because obviously Bell didn't play. He's probably not going to play the entire preseason. That's a question of mine. Is how does that end up working out? Uh. With, with Le'Veon and Jamison and similar roles there over the middle of the field. So he could pull some defenders, maybe take some linebacker attention, but it also could work negatively and those two end up competing for different target shares as well. Uh, so definitely something to make sure you track there, but great comment, great, great idea. Keep coming in with more of that. Our next guy on the list, one of my favorites personally, because I'm a diehard Pats fan, Mr. Jacoby Myers, undrafted free agent who smashed college records but somehow went under the radar, has been dominating in training camp and was nothing short of dominant yet again in real-game action, racking up eight targets, hauling in six of them, highly efficient, 68 total yards, and two touchdowns on the night for Mr. Jacoby Myers. And this is just... So important. Not because we've seen receivers come in and flash and have some monster preseason games but do nothing really afterwards. But what this is really important is because he's been Tom Brady's reported favorite target throughout camp. Apparently his hauled in 12 of 14 Brady looks was his go-to guy in no huddle drills against the Lions. Uh, Just was the first guy on three Pass catches from Brady. And this wasn't with Brady in this game. But you see why Brady would be so fond of this guy. Reliable routes is exactly where the quarterback expects him to be. Can separate uh, from coverage really well. Even when he's not open. He was thrown open in this game. because He uses great body control. Especially in the red zone. We saw him out muscle some defenders for one of those touchdowns there. He's apparently made highlight plays every every day in practice. Whether that's making great contested grabs over people. Whether that's circus one-handed toe-tappers on the sideline. The guy has looked every bit of a stud, but it's more about those things, knowing coverages, knowing where to be. He's well ahead the curve of really any rookie that's ever been with the Patriots from what all the reports say. And part of that, and what Belichick liked to cite, was that it's because he's a quarterback. He has to know how to read coverages from his days as a quarterback, so he sees defenders in a different way than your average receiver, sees zones develop in a different way than your average receiver. And when you're making plays and you're reliable and and this – Target share is so wide open right now. Behind Julian Edelman, really, there's, who is there other than James White and Julian Edelman that Brady has that he's relied on in the past? Yes, Nikhil Harry looked great too. Made some great jumping, diving grabs and was contested. Looked like a, a potential red zone beast using that frame and outmuscling defenders. But in terms of you know all over the field and dependable, maybe that's Jacoby Myers. There's plenty of targets up for grabs. Who knows if any of these guys, because Inman had his flashes, Maurice Harris had a nice one-handed touchdown. Who knows if any of those three guys truly separate and become that clear-cut number three guy in this offense. But if it's Myers or whoever it might be, They could have some serious value. Of course, when you play with the GOAT, when you play in one of the league's highest-powered offenses, there's always value potential there. So Jacoby Myers has fast become one of my favorite late-round penny stocks. Uh, Definitely on that late-round right around wide receiver 50 or so, uh, about 45 to 70 spots higher than the experts until they wake up to him. 45 to 70, quite a range there. Over 72 spots specifically higher than the uh, experts. And this guy could keep climbing with a strong performance. Still not a guarantee to make the team even, of course, got to point that out but if he continues to have games like this and continues to flash that chemistry with Brady early on throughout camp man this guy could be a force in the making Uh, so keep him on that late round radar and our next guy we want to talk from the penny stocks and of course keep those questions coming in love answering all that interaction it's it's fantastic guys but Darwin Thompson we've raved about how invaluable this Chiefs backfield is we saw Damian Williams put up Number two running back numbers, while well, he was the starter there. Cream Hunt was a number five running back when he was the starter there. In both guys' varying degrees of talent, it doesn't matter if you get the volume of Andy Reid's workhorse, which right now up for debate if it's going to be a committee or not, as we talked about with Damian Williams. But if someone blocks that down and gets that type of volume, we know Pat Mahomes is going to move this offense with ease. There's tons of touchdowns up for grab, tons of receiving volume going to the running back, Darwin Thompson. Again, it was against like the third stringers. I get that, but he looked by far the most explosive out of any running back. He has eight touches, one of them being a reception, 29 yard touchdown reception at that. Looks extremely fast and nimble, zipping up the field on that reception. But what I really liked, he's only, you know, six feet, 185, a tiny little guy. Jamal Charles looking in that sense, number 25, conveniently looks exactly like Jamal Charles. But what I really liked was we saw some tackle breaking, you know. Dashing the defense and bursting through linebackers, you know, high end picks from the the Bengals there and breaking tackles, looking powerful, hurdles two guys on a 16 yard run that got called back. Just an extremely impressive athletic night from this guy. Gets rave reviews as you see that quote there from Mahomes. The explosiveness you see when he gets the ball in his hands, it's special. I uh, talked about how this guy could contribute right off the bat for him while also mentioning Nicole Hardman, and other penny stock that seemed to emerge from this game. So Darwin Thompson, if he wasn't on your late-round radar with the Chiefs moving to this committee and potentially someone just separates and gets a hot hand, who says it's not this guy? who looked fantastic in his early debut. Uh, could be a real playmaker for this team. Very excited to see what he does. We're gonna to move to the next round of penny stocks here. I'm gonna go backwards there, Preston uh, Williams. Oh, we didn't get our slideshow on here. Hold on, let me see if I can uh, add that in as we go live. Insert image slideshow. Might fall apart here, let's see. I hope not, image slideshow. Okay, uh, I don't see it. Oh well, we tried. Image slideshow. Manual, yeah, not there. All right, we got we got pretty good so far technical wise. So we'll go to this one without a menu, unfortunately. Um, what else we have? Myers played played the lines, dude. <laughs> he just ripped the lines to shreds. Absolutely. Uh, Edelman was the QB. His heir apparent. So yeah, I mean that you know the clearly they've had success with these former uh, QBs. Jordan, it's a great point where they've they've gotten success from these guys in the past. Who says they don't get that success similarly out of late round uh, Edelman? Maybe Jacoby Myers might be that next one. I think that's a fantastic comment and a fantastic comparable. But let's continue rolling here. Uh, And this time we're moving to Preston Williams. The very impressive night for Preston Williams for the Dolphins. Very easy to ascend depth chart here for Preston Williams. Uh, There's really nobody in his way. This was a five-star recruit who ended up falling out of the draft because uh, off-field failed drug tests. He trained. He failed more drug tests and just kind of uh, there's domestic violence Scandals going on there So I mean This guy Had a ton of baggage Ends up falling inappropriately. So why would you Take a risk on this guy With the draft capital But they take The undrafted Free agent uh, The Dolphins do Chance on signing this guy And he's done nothing But impress Since OTAs This guy's 6'4 2'11 Your kind of Prototypical Wide receiver One build That that you love Out of your guys And he's made Catches all on the sideline Over defenders Everybody's been raised about this guy's performance throughout camp so far. And then he goes into the game and similar thing. Four catches, 97 yards, was the clear cut top guy uh, making life easy on his QBs there. So that's what you, you hope to see and love to see from him in his first action. He's still obviously a long shot, uh, still has to work through the entire offseason to make sure he makes the team. But again, with Devontae Parker, just always a disappearing act when you got only, you know, with Kenny Stills and. Albert Wilson, just one of the most uninspiring wide receiver rooms in the league. Preston Williams has that alpha wide receiver one build, and it wouldn't be shocking to see this guy emerge as the true number one for this offense. And they're going to suck, the Dolphins are, so you know they're going to have to be chucking it late in games. And Preston Williams, if he's the one making those plays for his QB, could easily be the one that that you want most in fantasy. Let's move next to Mr. James Washington. This sucks that the menus don't work after I spent all fucking day making this thing. Let me see if I can get it. Image slideshow, too. Ah, uh, image files. Fuck. I'm going to try one last time. Image slideshow. And I'm going to go. Players being. De- oh, that's what it is. Boom. Here we go. All righty. We're back in business. So give you a quick glance at my Preston Williams. There you go. Four catches, 97 yards, as we talked about. Xavier Howard, one of the best corners in the game, raving. This guy's going to be special, number one receiver someday. Uh, So now we're going to move on, though. To our Steelers. The sophomore Steelers stepping up. And that's Jalen Samuels and James Washington, as you see on the menu there. Uh, Samuels getting three touches. One of them being a reception for 30 yards. So not a huge night. But just, you know, that's very efficient. 10 yards per touch. Looked extremely powerful bowling through people. Just knifing up the defense. Great as a wide receiver on his reception there, too. Uh, You gotta love seeing Jalen Samuels just pick up right where he left off at the end of the season. As a tackle-breaking, churning beast. And I kind of threw him on here as just a reminder. All the reports of camp is he's carved out enough of a standalone role that he's going to have a significant amount of targets this season. Does it hurt James Conner? Yeah, sure, a little bit in terms of receiving. But there's lots of designs where these guys are going to be on the field at the same time. He's been so good as a receiver, Jalen Samuels has, the the splitting him out wide that he's run the entire route tree, not just your dink and dunk. He's going on wheels, he's going on goes, he's going on deep posts. Uh, So Jalen Samuels really flashing throughout camp. We see why in this preseason game, even if it's a very limited sample size, And then James Washington. Yes, Dante Moncrief's been the clear-cut number two throughout camp. Didn't play, kind of getting that rest, the the starter's rest there. But Washington, every preseason last year, too, has been just a force. And maybe he's going to force the issue. We know how many over 200 targets, over half their air yards vacated with Antonio Brown, Jesse James, and others leaving. There's going to be tons of volume up for grabs. They're going to continue to chuck it. Uh, under Randy Fickner. So maybe James Washington steps up if Dante Moncrief continues to have those injury concerns. I love what Washington's doing on the field. Four catches, 84 yards of TD Halls and a 40-yard bomb and was just kind of all over the place. There's no one that could run or, or stay with this guy. So I really like both of these Steelers sophomores stepping up. Both of them have to get bumped up your rankings in terms of late round penny stocks. And last but not least as we kind of alluded to with Dante Pettis and it's onto your mailbag so get your questions in. Keepers, or ranking-wise, or what do I do at this draft spot? Let me know how I can help you out. But other than that, the rookie receivers... For the 49ers. Debo Samuel, team high, 61 yards, hauls in a 45-yard bomb that with any competent quarterback would have been a touchdown. You gotta imagine Jimmy Garoppolo hits him in stride. He was wide open behind the defense, had to come back to the ball, which allowed the defenders to catch up and tackle him 45 yards down the field. But oh man, that could have been a, a 70-yard bomb touchdown. And and still you saw that deep speed, the toughness, the physicality that that everyone's been raving about, especially toughness and physicality coming from Jalen Hurd, 6'4 just a beast convert from a running back. So you know he's physical after the catch. You know he knows how to make defenders miss. But what I love to see is him just Muscling people in the red zone, two touchdowns out of the slot where he just went up over people. I uh, was had people draped over him, and he was just the man among boys. So that's what I love to see with Jalen Hurd there. Uh, that's exactly what they drafted him for. And both of these guys, you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense not easy to pick up, but both rookies showing they've at least figured some of it out. And with Trent Taylor now shelved with a, a I believe a knee injury, it was, and he was the one that everyone's projecting. Maybe he's the team's number one target. He's been dominating on the slot, really taking well to Wes Welker's tutelage. But now he's removed for at least a few weeks here, maybe to start the season. That gives Hurd and Samuels, maybe both of them, the chance to truly emerge. And if Pettis is continuing to underwhelm, it's not out of the question that both of these guys start from day one. Kyle Shanahan, a bright offensive mind, identified them as the must-draft rookie receivers to add physicality and toughness to that room. And both of them showed why. Both of them definitely have to become uh, late-round penny-stock targets on your radar. And that is all I have planned in terms of the preseason, the first ever preseason week one fantasy football Monday market check. So we are on to your questions, anything that you guys have here. Ben just kept throwing him under the bus last year with Washington. I know. Maybe Washington, I agree, CJ. What the fuck was up with that? So maybe we see a, a nicer Big Ben this year without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell there uh, causing the drama. Maybe Big Ben kind of tunes it down as well and starts to pepper this guy. I really think McDonald is going to be the man that takes a lot of the targets. And it could be. I agree with you, Jordan. Uh, tons of target share available there. And I, Vance McDonald, a lot of people calling him for a monster season with all that available, available volume. He's a beast after the catch. We saw that stiff arm on Monday Night Football. He's always been a freak. It's just a matter of, can he stay healthy, Vance McDonald? But he's in line for a significant slice. Uh, You think he's the kittle of last year. That is a bold prediction. I'm going to save that one for you, Jordan. We're going to revisit that. But there's tons of interesting candidates for that, right? Like, Vance McDonald, definitely one of them. Jordan Cook, Uh, I mean, Jared Cook, rather, with the Saints. Ten touchdown Upside easily dusting off the old Jimmy Graham playbook of yesteryear. There's tons of guys that I really like with that late-round George Kittle. What if it's Noah Fant? Uh, He hasn't looked great in preseason action yet, but... Joe Flacco loves to pepper tight ends. We know he's an athletic freak that could rack up yaks. So a lot of interesting candidates for this year's George Kittle. So I like that debate. That's a really interesting one. And McDonald could easily be that. There's a tons of target with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Generally a recipe for success. All righty, guys. That was... Save it, baby. I like it. That was this week's... Monday Market Check. You can tune in every Monday right around 7 p.m. There's often some technical difficulties where I try to get it off the ropes. My Wi-Fi blows off to beat up my roommate so we get better Wi-Fi and I can have none of these problems. But I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know some feedback. DM me. Comment in what you liked, what you'd like to see better. Uh, If you're tuning on the podcast, this is, of course, the FFBD Pod, the Fancy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles. You can find show notes and all that good stuff at ffbdpod.com. This is, of course course a product of the roto street journal rotostreetjournal.com and i am the wolf of roto street you can find me personally connect hit me up at roto street wolf it's the time of the year baby my big draft's coming up sunday early i know but i can't wait i'm fired up uh so tune in we're gonna have some great interviews lined up with some great fantasy wolves so tons of great stuff coming on the pod on the facebook live keep tuning in guys and thanks again for for tonight appreciate all the interaction and great comments we'll see you next time the wolf is out football right there, folks.